0: Welcome to Cairocast. I've been told by a lot of people lately that um, we're going into cash practices that I don't need documentation. And my answer to that is like, what? You absolutely need documentation no matter what you do, what kind of practice you're in, you need to document. I've also been told a lot lately, oh, I don't need a website, I'm just gonna use Facebook and social media. My answer also is what? You absolutely need to have a website, right? A website and documentation are critical to your practice. So that's why Now You Know, great website, KyraWrite, great documentation. You got everything you need in that package, and I'm absolutely convinced that you're gonna love it. Now it's the podcast. <clears throat> <clears throat> Thank you guys. Um, it is an honor uh, to be here. I love the ICPA. Uh, I uh, was taught by Dr. Webster himself. Um, so yeah, it shows how old I am. Um, I, uh, he was my teacher back in the 80s uh, when I was here. Um, And uh, it's really neat, the the class that I teach now, the 10th quarter required class, is the class that he taught us. Uh, So uh, it is unbelievably flattering and uh, amazing for me to be able to teach the class that he taught me uh, to you guys. So, uh, And I love being here at LIFE Uh, as an ICPA doc. I get to travel around the world uh, and see other schools. And it's really neat the enthusiasm you guys have uh, for pediatrics and for chiropractic in general. The philosophy you get here, um, it's just unbelievable. Everything that that happens in any other school happens five times more here. Um, uh, And the philosophy is probably a thousand times more uh, than most schools. So you got a lot to be be thankful for. Um, But I want to talk to you guys today about something that's very near and dear to my heart. And I'm... I'm getting a little disturbed, I've been in practice now, next year will be 30 years that I've been in practice. Uh, and I'm getting disturbed, and I'm going to show you why I'm getting disturbed, because I'm seeing more kids with seizures and epilepsy disorder than ever before. Right? When I first started in practice, that was not a common thing uh, to see, but, and it's not just me. you know. So it's, here in this CDC thing it says, more Americans have epilepsy than ever before, from 2017. So I'm not pulling up old data, this is, this is new stuff. Uh, the rise in concussions in the adolescent population. There are more concussions now than ever before, right? So we have more epilepsy, more concussions than ever before. This is very interesting. I, when I first started in practice, I graduated here from 1989, I saw like one concussion like a year. Now we're seeing like one maybe every week or two. Another kid with another concussion, or, or something that uh, an old concussion, uh, you know, post concussion syndrome. What is going on here is really making me very puzzled. Um, another thing here, CDC, you may have just heard this. Uh, I st- just started teaching uh, this in my classes in the ICPA. Uh, a couple of months ago, the CDC increased the estimate of autism from 1 in 68 to 1 in 59. What was the estimate when I was a kid? When I was a kid in 1970s and 1960s, what was the prevalence of autism? 1 in 10,000. Right? 1 in 10,000. Now the prevalence is 1 in 59. right? This is getting me very concerned. When I first started practice, I never saw autistic kids. I remember calling up Webster, the first autistic kid I saw, like 95, 96, not knowing what on earth to do. And he gave me amazing help uh, with that. I, it's puzzling, very puzzling. What is happening here? Here's another thing, 43% increase in ADHD diagnosis in the last eight years. How, what, is, what is happening? Right? What is happening to our kids these days? More epilepsy, more autism, more concussions, more ADHD. How about this one? More suicides. The suicide rate has increased more than 25% since 1999, said the CDC, from a couple of weeks ago. Right? What is going on here? Right? So this isn't just little kids. This is older kids. This is adults. Something is really puzzling me. How about this one? This is from a few years ago. 511 days, 555 mass shootings, zero action from Congress. What is happening? Right? And we still have zero action from Congress right? And now this is from 2016. It's now 2018. They're not doing anything about this. And I'm going to explain probably why that is in a moment as we keep on going with this. But then I started thinking about other stuff because I'm watching my patients because I don't take care of a lot of senior citizens. It's just not my game, right? My shtick is the little munchkins like that one over there, right? That's my shtick. I love the little kids. But my patients, their parents, right? And their grandparents are developing Alzheimer's. The death rate from Alzheimer's has increased 55% over the last 15 years, including my father, who passed away from Alzheimer's in 2003. What is happening to our people? And then we go to this: Mayo Clinic study shows increase in Parkinson's over the last 30 years. Okay, so now we're, we're having kids born with brain issues, right? We're having kids develop brain issues as they're going getting older. We're having kids have all kinds of. Issues so badly that, that some of these kids are committing suicide or mass shootings, and then our older generation is dying from Alzheimer's, younger than ever before, and Parkinson's. Okay? So something is really weird happening here, right? MIT, brain disorders by the numbers. Brain disorders, including developmental, psychiatric, and neurodegenerative diseases, represent an enormous disease burden in terms of human suffering, economic costs. <clears throat> this is staggering stuff. This is staggering stuff. This is from the World Health Organization. There's ample evidence that pinpoints neurological disorders as one of the greatest threats to public health. One of the greatest threats to public health. Obesity isn't the problem anymore. When I first came on to the Life University staff as adjunct faculty in 2001, my wife and I started going to the Association of Chiropractic Colleges research conferences. We would do some research, submit it, get accepted, and present there. One of the presenters, I remember early on, maybe 07 or so, was from the American Public Health Association. He was the president. And he said, the number one problem in our country is obesity. That is the number one health concern. I would like to say something a little different, because even though this is still absolutely a health concern, I think the number one concern is our brains. I think the number one concern of ours is brains. What's the the number one problem? Is what's wrong with our brains? Why are we growing our brains wrong? That's what I really want you to think about. So now I've been doing this for 30 years, and I am watching an epidemic of brain issues. That is the new problem of our time, right? It's not obesity, it's not all the other stuff, right? All those things are bad, right? Cancer is bad, heart disease is bad, of course. But the number one problem is brain. And that's why I think it's so important for us as chiropractors to accept the position that we should be in which is, I am not a back doctor, I am a bone doctor. What kind of a doctor am I? I'm a nerve system doctor. All my patients understand that from the get-go, right? It's not about cracking backs and popping backs because at some point in time, a robot's gonna be able to do that. And if you've taken any of my classes, you've heard me say that before. Just pushing on a back is not what chiropractic is, right? My kid, when he was five years old, was pushing on his little friend's backs. Right? That doesn't mean he was giving a chiropractic adjustment. Right? Now, his name is Palmer, so it's certainly helpful, but it's still, you know, I, we, we have to tell him to not do that, right? I get it, Palmer. I appreciate your living up to your name, but it's not what we're doing. Okay? You've got to be trained for this, right? So, we have to understand we are growing brains wrong today, and it's not just in the kids. Right? I have to be focused on pediatric chiropractic, but that doesn't have to be your focus, right? You can focus on the geriatric population. You can focus on the sports population, because that's where concussions are coming, it, like in never-ending quantities. And the thing that's very puzzling to me is I'm watching more and more chiropractors. As I've been, you know, I travel around and I drive all over Creation, I'm in Portland. I see offices changing from chiropractic offices to more rehab offices, to going away from chiropractic, to going away from what we ought to be doing, to coming into rehab offices. Not that that's bad or wrong. But what the world needs now is more chiropractors. And what is so heartwarming to see this room as filled up as it is, because what the world really needs right now is more pediatric chiropractors. And I'm going to tell you why. Because as the twig is bent, so grows the tree. You get that? As the twig is bent, so grows the tree, right? Old saying. So if you take a a little tree, a little sapling like this, and you kind of pull on it like this, you're going to make that tree grow grow in this direction, right? So so important for us as chiropractors to take care of the younger generation. Because if we can get to their brains early enough, we can do something super exciting. And I'm going to illustrate a point. I have so many different papers to talk to you about. I don't know if I'm going to get through all this kind of stuff. I am like a crazy researcher. I read, I read like articles the way you guys read novels, or maybe textbooks, like Yoke Monroe or something. <laughs> right. So here's an article, Six Developmental Trajectories Characterize Children with Autism. Six Developmental Trajectories Characterize Children with Autism. You know what that means? What does that mean? Six developmental trajectories characterize children with older. what does that mean? It means that that when they see an autistic child or child with autism that there's essentially six possibilities that's going to happen with these kids, right? They either stay the same, they get worse, or they get better pretty much like that. Only one, if you looked at if you go th- deep into this article, only one of the trajectories really shows these kids going way high up and really improving. And their explanation is like, we're not exactly sure why that particular kid happens to have that greater response. Right? Some kids just have it and some kids don't. Here's what I like to suggest I like to suggest that there's another trajectory. I like to suggest that there's a chiropractic trajectory. Right? And I like to suggest that there's actually two chiropractic trajectories. There's two tra- tra- trajectories through chiropractic. Here's the first one the first one is the kid comes into your office as a little baby and they're already having some neurological issues. How do you know a little baby is already having neurological issues? They're having trouble nursing. They're having trouble reaching their milestones. They're having trouble with colic or reflux. You say, wait, 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 nursing? That's, that's not a brain issue, that's just like a mouth issue. Or what? colic or reflux, that's a tummy issue. Really? <laughs> right? Nursing. Are we supposed to eat? Do we kind of have to eat? Right? Do you what would happen 100 or 200 or 300 years ago if a kid couldn't eat? They would die. Right? This is a built in thing the rooting reflex, the sucking reflex, swallowing, these are built in things. If you couldn't figure out how to do this 200 years ago, And the amount of kids we see now, which is over 10% of the population who has kids with latching and nursing problems, that would be thousands of kids who had died in the past. Something is neurologically wrong already with that two or three week old baby who's having latching and nursing problems. Right now, we have the advantage. We just go like this and go, bloop, give him a bottle, no big deal. But are we fixing the problem? No, we're just stop gapping, Right? And then a couple weeks later, this kid develops colic and reflux, right? Every time he eats, he cries, or he spits up and he cries, right? Is that normal? Is that, is that the way we're supposed to digest? Is that how we're programmed to cry every time we eat? Let's think about this. I want you to think, think about saber tooth tiger time, right? So a few hundred thousand million, whatever, years ago, whenever the saber tooth tigers were around, instead of Life University, it was, it was a big you know, pile of... You know, forest with saber-toothed tigers and woolly mammoths and God knows what else, right? When that happened, would having a crying baby be a good thing for our tribe? No, why? Because the saber-toothed tiger says, ah, right? Delectable morsel for me, right? So, and then you'd have to defend the saber-toothed tiger from attacking your tribe, right? So this is not an evolutionarily good idea to have colic reflux. It is not an evolutionary good idea to have latching and nursing problems, right? All those things indicate there's something going on with the brain. The brain is not functioning the way it's supposed to. If it's not functioning the way it's supposed to, something is malfunctioning and the problem isn't fixed just by saying, let's give the kid a bottle or if they have colic reflux, let's give the kid some Prevacid. That's not gonna fix the problem. It'll fix the symptom. But then you got a three-year-old kid who's doing this. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? I can't believe it. He doesn't recognize his name. He doesn't talk. He doesn't... Where did that come from? Look back. Look back, right? So when I see this six trajectories, here's one trajectory. The kid comes in with colic reflux or latching and nursing problems. What do you do? You adjust them. And now they don't have colic reflux anymore. Not that I fix colic reflux, right? Let's not put that out there. We come, ICPA. We are a salutogenic model. You know, salutogenesis. You ever hear that word, salutogenesis? Salutogenesis is about wellness, about making a child get to as well possible, at best wellness possible. That's what salutogenic versus allogenesis, right? Allogenesis is all about pathology, right? We fix it when it's broke. Salutogenesis is we keep it tuned up forever. So if we have a solutogenic model, I don't fix colic reflux. I don't fix latching and nursing problems. I don't fix autism. I don't fix ear infections. I only fix one thing. What's that? Subluxations. That's what I fix. There's no other thing that I fix. So I want you to think about this. So the kid comes in with colic reflux. The kid comes in with latching and nursing problems, already exhibiting at a tender young age of a few weeks to a few months old, and they already have some sort of brain issue but you adjust them, and what happens? What happens? Well, they get better, right, from whatever it is that's happening, right? Their colic is better, their reflux is better, they nurse better, and you're like the hero, high five, yes, but you know what's more important? Is their brain. Do you understand that? The long range ramifications of what you're doing is not about their symptom. Matter of fact, I will challenge you that whatever symptom you think they're coming in for is not why they're coming in. That's what brought them in. But it's not why they're there. Because you're changing their life. You're giving them a completely new trajectory. Because that kid, before, with colic and reflux, if they didn't see you, if you read the research by Dr. Martha Herbert from Harvard University, who wrote the book Autism Revolution, she says that children who have colic have a higher prevalence of having autism later on. Because colic isn't just a tummy issue. Right? It's a digestive issue, but what, what controls digestion right? is the brain. So trajectory number one. We adjust the child, this little munchkin, a little baby who's a couple months old, or a small one like that, maybe a year or so old, a year and a half old, right? Ten. Wow, big boy. Wow, that's a big boy. You are playing football for UGA, kid. Huh. So we adjust kids like this, and their trajectory is different, right? So what happens is when he's six, or she is six, or eight or ten, They don't have the problems that they would have had, right? Now, unfortunately, this is this is tough to measure. Right? How can you predict what they wouldn't or would not have had, right? But I just know, right? Because I've been doing this for a long time. Because here's the other trajectory, right? That's trajectory number one. Trajectory number two is this. Kid comes into your office and already has autism. Kid comes into your office and has ADHD. Kid comes to your office and has learning disorders. And you adjust them. And through functional neurology, you give them some exercises. And maybe you look at their nutritional habits. And then they change, right? They shift away from the trajectory that they're headed. Right? So there's two. So this is from the Journal of Pediatrics. I like to write an article that says two additional trajectories, right? You get the kids who get adjusted when they're really little and just completely change 100%, or the ones that get adjusted when they're already in the diagnosis and change dramatically also. That's what we do. There are so many people in this profession who are so short-sighted that they're still scrambling to take care of back pain. And I know the opioid thing has got us all all like re-enthused about taking care of back pain because if we can help people with pain, maybe they would never get on opium to begin with or these opioids or, or if they're already on and we can help get them off it or whatever. And I get that and it's very altruistic and that's fabulous. But I'd like to suggest to you that it's a lot more rewarding to take care of a little baby and change their whole life than anything I could ever even imagine doing, Right? I love taking care of moms and dads, but I really take care of moms and dads, why? So I can get their kids, right? That's really what I want. Bring me the kids, because the kids are amazing. Yeah? So if someone came in and said, like, my child's not meeting their milestones, like, can you help them? And, or like, I think my kids are what would you say? All right, great. So what's your name? Carly. Carly. Carly has two questions. She said, if someone says, comes in and says, uh, my kid's not meeting their milestones, can you help them? Or my kid's autistic, can you help them? Um, my answer is, we're going to look at their brain and their nerve system and see what's going on. You know, We saw a child last night who has autism in my practice. And just, that's just a string. That's the most, the number one reason why I see a kid now is because they're on the spectrum somewhere. Uh, the number one reason I used to see kids is because of ear infections. Now it's the neurodevelopmental stuff. So. Kid comes in, you know, last night, and I'm telling the parents, my goal is to change their brain. Right. So you all know about Dr. Malillo. Probably have you ever heard of Dr. Malillo? Right. He wrote the book Disconnected Kids. This is his latest book, Disconnected Kids Nutrition Plan. Right. So I love this book. I love Dr. Malillo is my like guru for functional neurology. So I'm totally uh, into his stuff. Disconnected Kids is is his book. I recommend highly recommend you all read that. Paperback, you get it on Amazon for like five bucks, probably. Um, I like to say, though, that I think it's not just disconnected kids that we're dealing with. It's disconnected brains. It's disconnected people. Right? It's way more than just disconnected kids. Because, like I mentioned before, we have the Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, etc. But getting back to Carly's question. So, what I tell them is, is, your child has got disconnection in their brain. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to find that disconnection and help it through three things. Chiropractic adjustments strengthen the spine and the nerve system and the way the brain works. Number two, you go home. And what do you when do when you're home is you're going to do some exercises to improve their neurology while you're home. Because my adjustment you know, lasts this long. If you're away from getting adjusted that long, you've got to do something in between. And then there's always a nutritional you know, component to everything, too. So a child comes in with milestone issues, or a child comes in with autism. I don't treat their autism or their developmental milestone issues, right? We're looking for subluxations. We're looking for brain imbalances. We're looking for disconnections. And invariably, we find them. Right? We, we did not examine a child. I've never examined a child with autism or ADHD or anything else like that that has not had positive prim reflexes, that has not had serious eye issues that has not had hearing issues, that has not had sensory issues. They, they go hand in hand. And that's the really amazing thing about what we do, is that we can make changes in these kids that no one else can. And understand, the OTs out there, they're fabulous. The PTs out there, they're great. But their focus is very different than our focus. And this is what we have to absolutely make sure people understand is that we're doing this for subluxation. We're doing this to improve their brain and nerve system. Right? A, a PT, they're fabulous. I 100% backed them up. But their goal is what? Muscles. What's an OT's goal? Right, Improve like, like occupational movements, right? All important stuff but they don't adjust subluxations. And there are people who say, well, but we can, I can do this manipulation thing, but, but that's not the same. The goal of a chiropractor is to adjust subluxations, right? Adjust subluxations. That's our goal. And we've got to get that through our heads and stop being so worried about chasing after stuff like back pain, right? Back pain... Got us in 120 years to 7 to 10% of the population, where we've been since I was in school. Dr. Sid would stand from the stage and say, We are only taking care of 7 to 10% of the population. And now we're saying the same thing. What's the market share for Coca Cola in the world? 43%. You know what that means? That means around the world, you go into Africa, India, China, Mexico, United States, wherever you go, and you say, what would you like to drink? If you going drink anything? 43% of people would say Coca-Cola. You ask someone in this country, well, if you want to get something to take care of when you're back, where would you go? Are they going to say chiropractic? No. That 7 to 10% of people will say chiropractic. The other people will say everything else. So why is that important? Because that didn't work. That didn't work. direction didn't work. We gotta try a new direction. Right? 120 years, same percentage of the population. Doesn't take a rocket scientist. <laughs> Figure this out. That direction isn't working. Right? Right? If we want something to work, we really say, yes, go Dr. Rubin. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to make an impact, we best do something different. Because what we've been doing for years ain't working. This is different, right? The focus on the brain and nerve system like doctor riekman Reekman's been trying to push ever since he got here in 2004, right? That is something different. And that is making an impact because patients get that. Patients get that. That's what they want. They're looking for this kind of stuff. They want different trajectories, because this is what's happening, right? Look at this, an article, Autism and Parkinson's Disease. Autism and, so that, not that there's a direct relationship, but they're studying this now. They're saying the pathogenesis of Parkinson's is multifaceted, and so is autism, and we want to study the two pathogenesis and see if there's some sort of relationship between these things. Alzheimer's disease and autism spectrum disorder. Is there an association? See, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. We're growing brains wrong. And what do we got to do to change that? That's what I want you to think about. That's the challenge I want for you guys, is what do we have to do to change that? Because I I am more than willing for the next 30 years as I still practice and teach here, teach for ICPA. I am more than willing to take care of the onslaught of neurodegenerative and neurobehavioral stuff that I'm seeing. But I would prefer to not have to take care of that. I would prefer to have people so much healthier than they've ever been before. But you know, what's that going to take? What's it going to take? It's going to take you and you opening your mouth. Because the biggest problem I see right now is chiropractors, We can, especially students, you can go talk, talk, talk about all your philosophy, rah, 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 and you go out in the real world, and now you've got to pay some bills, and all of a sudden the philosophy goes out the window, and let's just lie down, let me crack your back, you know, and get rid of your back pain. Prepare yourselves now. Prepare yourselves now for the conversation, right? Practice the hard conversations now. How many guys are in clinic or student or outpatient clinic? Anybody? All right, good. Wow, excellent. Excellent. Are you having the hard conversations with your patients? Right? We're just talking about the braves and the weather and, you know, how it's raining so much lately and well, and how hot it is. And right? What are you really talking about? Are you asking the hard questions? <clears throat> I had a student the other day say to me, <clears throat> I can't get any. Uh, I don't have any pediatric uh, patients. How do I get pediatric patients? I said, do you take care of any adults? Yeah. (laughs) Well, what do they got? Right? They got kids? Yeah. All right. Well, there's a logical step here, right? Well, I don't take care of anybody. They're, They're all senior citizens. I take all these Medicare people. Okay. They have grandkids? Yeah. Then what should you ask them? Where do they live? All right, they live around here? Good, OK. And then you got, here's my favorite question. You want to get some kids into your practice? Right, this is a question you're going to ask. Do you know any of your grandkids have any of the four A's? And what's grandma going to say to you? Very good. What are the four A's? Well, funny you should ask. Autism, what else? ADHD, asthma, allergies. Those are the four A's, right? So of the four A's, guess how many children in America have at least one of the four A's? One third of all American children. One third, according to Dr. Ken Bach, uh, healing the new childhood epidemics. According to Dr. Ken one third of all children in the United States have at least one of the four A's. And What I've seen is the four A's come together a lot. Like yesterday, the child that we examined had autism and ADHD. Very common to see them as comorbid factors. Very common. Kids with allergies often has asthma and vice versa. Very common, right? So a lot of these things are very comorbid. So it's like like 30 million children. So if you just ask grandma, grandpa, and you say, hey, granny, any of your any of the four A's? And they're like, oh, what's the four A's, Sonny? And you, and you, and you say, the, oh, autism, ADHD, asthma, and allergies. And, like, and what are they gonna, what's the answer going to be? One third of all kids. So that each one of the, their, your grandmas have like eight grandkids on the average or whatever, right? So I have eight kids. So I can't do math. Let's say nine. Nine kids, three of them. That's from a chiropractor, right? My accountant does math. Um, so, uh, not, let's say it was nine kids, right? Three of them have one of the four A's. So they'll say, "Yeah, oh yeah." Well, Johnny's got autistic, and uh, and JJ has got ADHD, and little Genie's got uh, got autism. I mean, asthma analogies. So, what's, what's your next question? When can they come in? Let's go. What are we waiting for? And here's, here's what I get a lot of from students. Oh, I, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to ask that. Let me ask you a question. What's going to change when you get the hell out? Why don't you get embarrassed now? Why don't you get embarrassed right now when you're practicing? Right? When you're practicing being the, when you don't have a student loan to pay off at the moment. We don't have staff to pay off at the moment. You don't have a mortgage of a house to pay off at the moment. Right? Practice now. Ask the hard questions now so that when you're out, you are past that fear stage. You don't want to wait until you're graduated and now you're like, I have $250,000 worth of student loans. I have a mortgage and a car payment and a this and a staff. And, a, and now you're talking from a very different place. Right? You want to talk from, from authority, not desperation. So practice the hard questions now. Well, I'm embarrassed. I don't care. I don't care. You know why? Because right now, here's another kid who's going to get sick with this, another kid diagnosed with this, another kid diagnosed with this, another another kid, another kid, another kid, another kid, another kid. All those things we just talked about, the brains are growing wrong with you or without you. You got that? So you can either not participate and I'll wait till I graduate and I'll wait till I'm in practice and I'll wait till I'm an associate and I'll wait till I do this, right? You can wait as long as you want, but they're coming and coming and coming and coming and coming my dad was in world war ii he had a saying not on my watch right that was a big thing in world war ii not on my watch right that's my saying i've adopted that saying not on my watch if i can help it i'm going to change it if i can help it i'm going to speak up right that's why i teach that's why i practice that's why i teach for icpa i'm doing so many how do you do all these things because who if I don't do it, who's going to? That's the attitude you need to take. If I don't ask grandma, who's right there in front of me on the table, in my one hour and 15 minute adjustment, <laughs> right? You, you got plenty. You could talk about the Braves. You could talk about the weather. You could talk about where you're going on your next trip. But how about just a little conversation about like, chiropractic? And how about especially about their kids? Right? You want to take care of kids? Ask. Right? What's the old saying, ask you shall receive? So students who have asked will suddenly start to receive. And they'll say, doc, I can't believe it. The question was, was awesome. The 4A question is like the trick. Right? And I say this to every chiropractic school. So I, I spoke at Logan. I spoke at Parker. I spoke at Dallas. Right? All these different places. And it works everywhere. Right? Because we got to get the kids on the care. That is who really, 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 really will benefit from what we're talking about. Because look at this there's another amazing article. I read this article a couple of years ago. You have to read this. Pediatric traumatic brain injury and autism: elucidating shared mechanisms. We started seeing this it happened a couple of years ago where a kid came in in the morning who had a concussion, and a kid came in in the afternoon who was autistic, a child with autism, and if I didn't know what was going on with them, like if I didn't have a diagnosis as they walked in, they looked the same. Right? Not an acute concussion like someone just walked in, but post concussion syndrome, PCS. A post concussion syndrome kid and a kid with like high functioning autism, they look the same. Their behavior is off, they have Crazy, muscular, lack of control—they have all this. They're not the same person, right? That this extremely similar because it's a brain. Both of them are brain injuries, right? A concussion is a traumatic brain injury, but autism is a non-traumatic brain injury. The brain got injured somehow, somewhere, whether it was in the womb or at birth or right after birth, or something happened, some sort of insult occurred in that child's brain that has created something that looks like a concussion without actually getting hit, right? So the, the, the thing is that can a child actually have a brain injury without actually being injured? Do you understand? So we have to think about all these things, and the thing that is so cool in this particular um, article is what they're talking about if I can get to it here so many shared biological mechanisms they share gastrointestinal disorders, they share learning difficulties, they share seizures they share sensory processing disruption right? So you have four different things that they're sharing four different things that look the same in a concussion and autism isn't that amazing? So what does that mean for us as chiropractors, just to to get to a practical side? Do I adjust a child with autism or a child with concussion the same as I adjust a completely healthy child? No. No, they cannot receive adjustments, especially to their upper cervical spine, in the same manner that a healthy, well child can. Because their upper cervical spine is very, very weak Because if you've got a weak brain, you've got a weak upper cervical spine. They come hand in hand. And these are the things that you need to start educating yourself on. These are the things that you need experience with, right? Pediatric one thing that Webster used to always say about pediatric chiropractic that used to get him so mad is that adjusting a kid is not like adjusting a little adult but that's what most chiropractors think of when they think about adjusting a kid. Is they think adjusting a kid is like adjusting a little adult. I'll just take my adult adjustment and kind of small it down for them. And he would fume with that. He would say adjusting a kid is as different as Gonstead is from Thompson, right? They both do the same thing. They're both amazing adjustments, but they're not the same delivery. Same thing with with doing a pediatric adjustment. Right. That's why you have the special pops class in ninth quarter that Dr. Kramer teaches and she's awesome. And that's why I teach advanced pediatric technique after you take the tenth quarter class, the pediatric diagnosis class. So you can take that as an elective later on. That's why those classes are so important. Because you've got to know it's not the same. And when you're delivering an adjustment to a a child who has a concussion, it's not the same adjustment, not the same forces, as you would a child who does not have any sort of neurological issues. But you guys need to know that. You guys need to be responsible for this, right? I see a lot of people coming into my practice who have been to other chiropractors before, and they treat the kids like little adults, and the kids don't like it, and they don't respond well. We need to understand that. There is a difference. Pediatric chiropractic is different, right? That's why I love the ICPA. 15 modules to get you trained. Super trained, right? The reason I tell people that you should do ICPA, there's no have to's, right? But if you are into pediatrics, like I am, then the reason you get trained in the ICPA is because you want to prove to the world your intent. Right? I am serious about pediatrics. I took 15 weekends of my life extra outside of school to study this. I did two practice-based research network uh, participant patients. I took this huge certification test. I went above and beyond to take care of that little one. Right? How, how else are you going to prove to the world Right? In my opinion, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I'll take care of a lot of kids. But, but what, what knowledge do you have to do that? Right? And a beautiful thing about Life University is with, with the special POPs class and the pediatric diagnosis class and then the three electives, you could have a tremendous amount of knowledge. But I really recommend going all the way with ICPA. Just an opinion. You don't have to. No have tos. But I think it's so important. Because otherwise, this is going to be the result. <clears throat> article from Wall Street Journal a couple years ago <clears throat> should we take a daily pill to avert deadly diseases there's a new thing out there called a poly pill and this was a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine in May of 2016 they said people took this poly pill 12,000 people took this poly pill and some of them got drugs to lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, placebo, etc. And the people who took the drugs actually did better than the people who didn't. And they're saying a poly pill could even help help healthy people. It's one or the other, guys. Do you understand? We're at a cusp right now, a very important cusp in chiropractic, where chiropractic will either take a very mechanistic, very you know, simplistic, let me adjust a back pain until it goes away approach, or we're gonna go vitalistic and philosophical, right? Not that there's something wrong with taking pills if you need them, if there's a desperation, if there's an emergency, if there's a crisis, if there's a long-term chronic thing, okay, I get it. But that healthy people should take pills so we could naturally reduce our cholesterol and naturally reduce our blood pressure without actually doing something like exercising and dieting? Right? right? The whole idea that we need to propagate is that our bodies are amazing. Your kids' bodies are amazing. And what we have to do is we have to find that disconnection and reconnect them. Because otherwise, in a few years, my talk is going to be worse. Right? I'm going to keep on showing you these. I'll, I'll come back in here and I'll show you the same slides. Right, When Heather's you know, practicing somewhere and the new president asked me to come in and I'm showing this. Look, I talked about this like four years ago and nothing happened. And we're just as bad. And now the autism rate is 1 in 24. And now 1 in 2 people have Alzheimer's. Who knows? We got disconnected brains, guys. We got disconnected brains. We got disconnected brains from our bodies. They're not working the way they're supposed to. There's only one profession in the world that I know of that's going to do anything about it, and that's us. So please jump on the bandwagon. Thank you. Yay. Yes.